Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 97. My first ever podcast was with a lady called Kate Whittaker. And Kate is the head of corporate communications for Dual Group. And so she's on the client side. And during that episode, she was explaining how exceptional her agency was, particularly at providing excellent client service, but also really understanding her and her business. She actually said she couldn't see a time when she wouldn't want to work with them. So today we're in for a bit of a treat because I've invited her agency to come and talk to me. So the leadership team of the agency Free Partners are going to join me today and they're going to talk to me about how they work, how they think. And I think you're going to start to see what Kate was meaning when she was singing their praises because we cover quite a lot of ground, which hopefully is going to be interesting for you. So they talked to me about their agency's specialist positioning, focusing just in the insurance market and why that's beneficial to their business, to their team and to their clients. They also talk about their agency values and how they bring them to life through their ways of working. They explain their internal processes and how the three departments work together in a client-centric way. So those three departments are the account management side, the strategy department and the creative side. And they also go deep into the importance of the creative brief why they have a tactical and a strategic briefing process and how they grow their own talent from graduate level so they are molded into the free partners ways of working. And finally, how they delight their clients by being proactive and bringing fresh thinking and initiatives without waiting passively for briefs. I really hope you enjoy my chat with free partners. So let's go over to the introduction now. Today, I'm delighted to have Lorraine, Greg and Guy from Free Partners. Free Partners is a London-based creative agency that specialises in the insurance sector. They've been creating outstanding brands and standout campaigns for ambitious insurance businesses in the UK and the US for over 10 years. Lorraine, Guy and Greg are the partners at Free. Lorraine Jekylls is managing partner As well as running the business, she leads the account management team and takes care of the client experience. So I'm really looking forward to diving into some questions for Lorraine. Greg is the brand director coming from a copy background. He looks after the strategy piece, focusing on positioning, value propositions and messaging. So it's going to be really interesting to dive into what Greg does and how he interacts with the account management team. And finally, Guy Cornett is creative director. He's responsible for establishing the creative vision. He oversees the entire creative process from ideas to execution through every touch point. So Guy, Greg and Lorraine, a big warm welcome to you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jenny. Lovely to be here. Thank you for coming. So what we're going to do, I've got some questions that I want to dive into, but obviously I would like to open the floor to everyone. You know, I'll direct it at one person, but please dive in. So Lorraine, let's start with you. Just in terms of positioning, I'd love to ask you, has Free Partners always focused on the insurance sector? And what are the benefits both to the business, the team and the clients of being so narrowly focused and positioned? 
We always have. Uh, I started my career in insurance, and I think it's one of the best kept secrets that, in terms of the industries to work in. Right, I've, I've worked in investment banking, I've worked in legal, I've always worked professional services, but insurance is just one of those industries which is just so rich and so varied right I people always laugh when I say this but I do it's genuine I absolutely love it I think there's there's so many industries where the experts that you work with are experts in just one thing the thing that they do but within insurance you know there might be insurance experts but they're also experts in horses or cryptocurrency or employee benefits climate change I mean space it's absolutely limitless. So I think from an agency perspective, the creative opportunities are equally as vast, right? We've worked with many businesses of different sizes, you know, big, small, global, UK, US, even in the Bahamas. Sadly, we didn't get to go on site for that one, but, you know, it was... We're angling. We were angling for that, weren't we? We were, yes. Site visit, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's it. And so the opportunities for us as a creative agency, as I said, are vast. For our team, it really gives them an opportunity to kind of do things differently. Most of the businesses and the clients we work with are are quite ambitious. That's why they choose us. They want to do things differently. They want to push the boundaries creatively. And they're continually looking for ways to innovate and make what they do better for their customers, which is a fantastic opportunity for anyone working in our team to really stretch their creative legs. So I think, yeah, it's a brilliant sector to work in and don't tell anyone. No, I'll keep it a secret. And obviously, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you all on today was because one of my first ever podcast episodes was with Kate Whitaker. And Kate is one of your clients and still is. And she was throughout the interview, she came back twice actually, because her podcast was so popular. She was singing your praises. She's in the insurance sector, you specialize and you have obviously serviced her account and developed that relationship to a really great level. So I'm looking forward to kind of as we go through uncovering why she's so happy with you and what you do. So Greg, from your perspective, your company values are your guiding principles for doing business in general. So can you explain what your principles are and maybe share some examples of how you keep them alive within the agency? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you know, when you come up with principles or values or whatever, they do sort of mark out an ideal way of working. It's a sort of a recipe for success. It's how you see the world and how you, you know, move through it in a consistent way. And for us, you know, there's a few principles at stake here. So the first one is empowerment. So, you know, we believe that everybody should be able to take things, whatever those things are, to the next level. So whether that's from a career perspective, personal career perspective, either internally with our team or with our clients, or with the businesses and brands that we work with, there's always some next level to achieve. And we believe that people should have the power to take that next step. So that's sort of a start point, if you like. And then obviously, there's always something going to stop you from taking that next step. There's always a problem, right? There's always a challenge. And there's a challenge that you perceive externally. And then there's also a challenge that you perceive internally, where it's about how you feel about the challenge. So it might be that it's a simple next step, but you might not feel ready to take it. So the next uh, principle we have is called advancement through insight. So that's really about understanding what is going to unlock that next step for you as an individual or as a brand you know, what is that next step to take? And that really just comes down to really understanding 
what the barriers are, uh, what the pains are, what the priorities are of, of the individual, either, as I say, you know, a team member or uh, a client or a brand, and really trying to get to understand the behaviors around that. So it really is sort of behavioral based and uh, just trying to get under the skin of what would make that next step more possible, easier to do. So that's the second part. So, you know, you've got the empowerment belief that it should happen. Then there's the unlocking of what that is. And then the final step is to be that rewarding partner in helping you take that step. So rewarding partnership is the third bit. And that's really about how we interact with each other. It's about how we're there for each other. And it's very much about making the other person the hero in the equation, right? So as a business, it's not like creative is the hero or that insightful strategy is the hero or that brilliant piece of marketing is the hero. It's, it's always the client's the hero or, you know, it's one of our team members is the hero and it's how we can be their best partner in helping them move that forward. And so our goal is to be the best people to work with. You know, we want the people in our business and outside our business for their interactions with us to be the best that they've had, really. And so that's really what it is. And in time, over time, if you try and keep those things in place, that is how people start to talk about us. Our clients see us as partners. And that's, you know, been a goal of ours for years and years. And, you know, you do see it starting to change. And that's how people talk about us now. And Greg, I mean, obviously that's brought to life through your relationship with Kate because she was so positive and she really did say that she didn't want to go anywhere else. So that's always, and that was recorded two years ago and she still hasn't gone anywhere else. So whatever you're doing, you're doing it well. So in terms of bringing those values to life, can you give me an example? Like you mentioned rewarding partnership, whether that's rewarding staff members or rewarding clients. How do you bring that element to life, for example? Shall I jump in? Yeah, please. Lorraine, yeah. Um, I think for team members, it's, you know, one of the biggest things that we try and do is make it possible for people to progress as quickly as they are comfortable and are competent to do. Right? When I started out in my career, I was always very hungry for the next step. And I couldn't really understand why I had to be a certain age before I could do something, you know, oh, no, you can't get to that next level. So I think with our team, it's really about being the rewarding partner from an employment perspective. It's giving them the opportunity to try out new things that they're interested in, in terms of, you know, creatively, is that, you know, coming up with new ideas to write about if you're in copy or coming up with new ways to execute creative campaigns or you know from an account management perspective is you know getting involved in some of the more complicated commercial aspects of the account management function that isn't just oh no you can do that when you're 25 it's right are you able to, you know sit with me let's sit down let's work it through we do you know career planning with everybody which is all about you know looking at development and how that we can build those development plans to be beneficial to the business to the clients and also personally to the individuals so i think that's how we, we do it with our team with our clients it's really a case of you know understanding them on an individual basis you know what are the challenges that they are facing you know in their market internally commercially personally in some cases it's right it's being a partner is not just a cookie cutter approach to this is your client experience there you go it's right. What do you actually need from us? How can we best help you? And that's not just delivering the thing that they've asked for. It's listening and trying to understand what that bigger problem they're trying to solve is and what the issues are that they are facing. 
It's a great response and a great approach, I would say. And that's kind of best practice account management. So thank you for sharing. And I think it brings us quite nicely on. Can, can I cut in there as well? Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. please Sorry. do. Sorry. Add to that. I think that, you know, as Lorraine quite eloquently put, you know, there is a employee focus and a, a client focus to the partnership. But, you know, we're also doing stuff for charity and for the bigger environment outside of free, outside of insurance as well. So we've got this brilliant campaign that we put together called Free Love, which basically goes around to people that might not be able to afford the creative process, you know, have designers and creatives and account managers at their service, you know, for a period of time. And we jump into projects. We've just done something for pancreatic cancer, which is uh, close to our hearts at free. And also for, you know, the wider area, Aldgate as well and, and Tower Hamlets. So we're, we're sort of putting a lot of stuff together, making sure that uh, that partnership isn't just, you know, a business focused and a revenue focus is also something bigger. So, yeah, we're delving out there. And how do you get to uncover that there's an opportunity for you to then put your thinking into practice, be proactive with those ideas and do that kind of free love? Are you invited in by the client or is that something that you recognize because you understand the client situation yeah. so well, as Lorraine said, and then you're proactive? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it, you know, we are very close to our clients. So those conversations will naturally crop up and our clients are extremely valued. And so, you know, those conversations will be there. And therefore, we can offer that. Or it's us being proactive as well. I mean, definitely the stuff outside, you know, the sort of social activities that we do is us going and approaching people, making sure that, you know, yeah, we're putting our best foot forward and helping out people as much as we can, really. Yeah. So it's a bit proactive and a bit of conversation. And I think that's also a great reminder for people listening. Maybe the agency leadership team is listening like you guys and thinking, well, how could we be a bit more proactive or how could we get closer to what's going on in our client companies so that we can recognize those opportunities where we can bring something relevant? Because there's no point in presenting loads of ideas that might sound good on paper, but are not actually fulfilling the client need. Uh, Guy, let's come to you and let's talk about the creative process. So from a creative perspective, do you find that your insurance clients embrace the brand building side and the creative process? Or do you think there's a difference? You know, have you seen a difference, you know, in maybe working in other areas of business where there's a difference between B2B and B2C? Like talk to me about the insurance market in general. Yeah. So I think I'll be quite biased, but I think our clients love us. They love the experience. You know, I, th- I think we come across as their sort of rebellious cousin. So in, in a state where there's a, you know, a lot of people shaking hands in suits over tables, we can turn up from over the water from the south side of the Thames and, and give them something that's really enjoyable. You know, uh, we, we're hopefully the best part of their day and something completely different. So there's a bit of a magic show that we need to put on. Obviously, it's a sales process as well. We need to bring them on board and give them experience that we feel they deserve. And we always, when we deliver our concepts or, 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 or marketing, we always push. So they might ask for a certain a brief, but we will always go back with more. You know, if budget wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue, you know, what can we deliver that gives them a really, really great experience for us and shows them a dream state of their brand, where they could go, you know, a future sort of process maybe. And that sort of shows we care. And we get it and we get them. Yeah, and it's bringing them on our journey as well because they are the ones that are going to have to actually eventually wear the campaign or wear the brand. Uh, And so those key stages of that process, we make sure that they're brought along with it. So whether that's briefings or mood boards or messaging or, you know, identity development, whatever it might be, we make sure they're part of that process so they can enjoy every single, you know, section. I think they love it. And yeah, hopefully it sort of brightens up their day. It definitely does for us. And we, we love the sort of challenges that get thrown our way. And then going on to your question about B2B and B2C, is there a difference? I think you're selling a product, right? You're going to sell 
either you know you're selling trainers in fmcg or you know you're selling insurance products and people don't think oh it's b2b or b2c you know you're selling a brand to a customer you're selling that experience and so you know you need to win hearts and minds and build great brand experiences whatever the weather whether you're in either or camp and there's this guy called brian kramer who articulates it quite well and he talks about the h2h movement or the human to human movement you know, everyone has a voice these days, you know, that out of home experience of TV and billboards where uh, agencies just spoon feed consumers what they the messages that they think they might need to hear. But everything's changed now. So it's all a social environment. There's much more interactions. It's much more conversational. And brown, you know, brands are accountable now. And, you know, that they can win or fail just on a, a social media post. You know, everything's up for grabs. So it leads to that big sort of conversation and, and brand experience is much more freely, much more quicker. And so I feel like B2B, B2C is like an old filing technique for marketers. And it's much more conversational. It's much more human experiences, peer-to-peer, human-to-human, however you want to sort of phrase it, experiences is sort of top of the agenda, especially for communicating effectively to a modern market. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's B2B, but I don't think there's a difference. I think we're all humans. Let's sell as such, yeah? Nice. And it was probably a little bit judgmental on my part, thinking insurance companies, maybe they're more risk averse, maybe they're more, you know, looking at measuring success and the ROI. But you're saying it's absolutely the yeah, same. It doesn't possibly matter. the most entrepreneurial market I've ever worked in. You know, super passionate people, really, really clever, know exactly what they want. They just need help communicating, you know, and that's where we can jump in. Amazing. Yeah. Lorraine, did you add something? Or Greg, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So our space where we operate mostly is in B2B insurance, which is usually commercial, complex insurances for all sorts of, you know, any type of business out there, as Lorraine mentioned, you know, from people who put satellites into space to people, you know, insuring hot and cold storage in the crypto space, etc. And, you know, the products are abstract, you know, it's a insurance policy, the product only becomes real at the point where you need to make a claim. And before that, you know, it's pretty much based on trust. And that's the job of a brand. So I think more and more businesses are becoming very much brand building focused. And as Lorraine mentioned, also because of all the M&A activity, these organizations are getting bigger and bigger. And all the PE funding behind them, you know, they have Uh, proper processes in place and they do want brand building. So that is on the up and it has been on the up. That's a trend we've seen from my perspective. The only difference for me about B2B and B2C at the moment is how much sort of research insight you can get you know, there's not a lot of quant stuff out there. You know, it's quite hard to run your own research programs. Appetite isn't really there at the moment. So, you know, understanding those pain points, those priorities, it really does require a a close relationship, not only with the marketing client, but also with the people that operate within the business. So we do speak to product people. We do speak to underwriters. We do speak to brokers. We speak to business leaders. We don't just speak to marketing people. Thank you, Greg. That's really interesting. All the stakeholders included. Lorraine, was there anything final to add to that? So I think that just thinking about the the you know the B two B B two C element, and really the thing that our clients really appreciate about working with us is that we kind of pair the in depth understanding of the industry, the terminology, 
you know, they don't have to explain what a reinsurer is or what a captive is. And we kind of use that, that it gives them a shorthand, which makes all the understanding much quicker. But then if you overlay that with the extensive experience from B2C world that Greg and Guy have both brought, you know, you get some amazing creativity and some really poignant messaging and putting those things together will deliver the results because they do still have to report on ROI and, you know, data analytics. And, you know, it's a really important part of, of the marketing that happens, but the creativity, that distinctiveness and that differentiation is something that you, I think you can only really achieve if you deeply understand the industry and the sector that you're working in and have got you know, that natural creative talent that these guys have brought and have finally tuned over over the last couple of decades. Sorry, giving your ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Giving away the ages there, Lorraine. Well yeah. done. Ever um, since he was four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think for the account managers listening, I want to move on to another topic, which is how you work together. Okay, so there are probably agency owners, account managers listening, who maybe have a strategy department, a creative department, and an account management department. And for you guys, and Lorraine, let's start with you. What's your agency process for the three teams working together in as much harmony as possible? Well, I think the process starts with the mutual respect for each other's disciplines and understanding it as guys spoke about earlier, is that we each bring a different insight and passion. And the power of what we deliver comes from the unity of those three pieces. And so our briefing process, you know, it might start with the account team talking to the client, but there'll be a point when perhaps we bring in you know, Greg or Guy or both of them, depending on what the brief is, so they can get in involved in that. And that, again, it kind of brings us closer to the client as well. We all kind of are, are have that deep understanding of what the problem is we're trying to solve. Because, you know, Guy always says this, as a creative agency, actually what we are is problem solvers. We are here to understand what's the problem, what's the goal, what are we trying to achieve, and how do we best work together to deliver that result. And when we say work together, it's not just the three of us, the client is involved in that as well. And I think that is the strength of what we do. So the process really starts with a strong briefing, and we write that together, and then it will go to whichever discipline, but we will always review the work together. And, you know, Greg, you've brought a lot of structure and discipline to this process, which has been really valuable. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we like to do also in terms of advancement through insight and rewarding partnership is, you know, helping the young people in the business understand what we're trying to achieve and how to achieve it. And so brief writing is pretty much, you know, a fundamental skill that's needed. And one of the things we do is, you know, we get them involved in the client conversation up front, you know, on the call, and then also writing the briefs together. So we might get a, a designer and an account manager to write the brief together and then, you know, review it with us three. We'll help them move that brief on a little bit. And then, you know, we all know we're all involved in bringing that piece to life. It's not a brief is written here, it's passed here, and then it's moved on to here. And, you know, it is about working together. It is a team. It's one team. It's not three separate teams in three separate departments. You know, the client is at the center and we're all working for the client and on behalf of the client. So the client's got, you know, three perspectives laser focused on the middle, which is the work. And so that's how we work together. And Greg, this is really brilliant, I think, because co-creation of the brief is such a strong position because then you don't have to go around and do it all again. Having a client-centric approach is also really important. Typically, 
I mean, as you've evolved that process, where do you find that the initial holes are in the brief? If you initiate that process, perhaps, as you said, with the account manager and the designer, having a go Mm. at a draft Mm. and then bringing it to you. For you as a strategist, where do you find that those holes can typically appear? Typically, it's audience. Typically, it's audience understanding. Not so much about, you know, who's it for, but what's going on for them. You know, where are they stuck? Why are they behaving the way they're behaving? What do we need to offer them to help them move from state A to state B? And I think what we've done is we've sort of broken the briefs up into the more tactical and the more strategic. And so as people are coming on board with, you know, writing briefs, new people to the industry, we do tend to recruit a lot of grads. We think that our way of working is quite different. And so it's sometimes more difficult to bring in people who've, you know, had a number of years in typical agencies. So we tend to like to grow our own in inverted commas. And so those early exposures to brief writing, we start them off on the tactical brief. So we've got a tactical brief template, which is more about, you know, what is this for? It's a more straightforward brief and connects them to previous work that's already been done. And then as they move up through becoming, you know, midweight and senior, then we would expect them to be able to contribute more to those creative briefs interesting i think that that tactical brief as well is really important as well because it sort of it outlines obviously the structure of what a brief is but also it's terminology right so there's loads of different ways to say the same thing differently and also when you get into creative output and touch points and stuff like that if you aren't specific with sizes exactly what that video will be doing you know, is it a TV ad? Is it a video? Is it a social post? If you, if you don't have the vocabulary there to deliver uh, that brief to someone else, you know, there will be issues. So I think it's a, a great learning point to understand and develop a vocabulary that everyone understands holistically, you know. And Guy, presumably you have two briefing templates, one tactical, one strategic. And, you know, as you've just begun to describe the tactical version, the language is important, the terminology, the format. What else is important about the tactical brief versus the strategic brief? Can you just talk through the kind of the big differences? Yeah, so tacticals are are more about uh, quick deliveries, I suppose, things that have been done before. So it's a bit of sort of, there's, there's some sort of copy and paste to it, but it's also, you know, thinking about, the larger campaign. So what's been going on? What is this touch point? Why is it different from everything else? How does it link back, you know, up the sort of the chain, as it will, to the original sort of brief? So there's those sort of parts going on. And then the conceptual brief is more about a big idea, whereas you're delivering a single touch point, maybe on the tactical stuff, you might be delivering a whole campaign on the, you know, the more creative ones. So there's much more understanding, you know, insight, strategic stuff that goes into those. And then a whole, might be a whole raft of deliverables. It might be a mood board. So there's much more articulation, you know, at the sort of creative brief side, you know, real insight, not just into sort of a business objective, but actually the tone of it. You know, what are you trying to get across to that customer and why? And what do you want them to feel? You know, tactical stuff is let's just do something that's tactical. Let's do it. It needs to be done. Let's get it out and make it the best it can be. But then what do you want to make them feel? What's the experience? You know, it's much more open. And like you said, getting that really strong insight. And Greg, you mentioned earlier that one of the things that is always or has been a struggle is getting that audience understanding. So do you as a business carry out any original research into the audience or does your client typically provide a lot of support and research 
about their customer. How do you make sure that those more strategic briefs that Guy's just explained are really, really strong? Yeah, there's sort of three different levels, I would say. And, you know, we are not a research agency. Being a specialist also allows us to partner with other specialists, which is great. So we are working with a voice of the customer specialist. We're just jointly won a piece of business together, which we will be starting on. So getting that voice of the customer is really important. And if you can get it with a proper research partner, that's great. Some of our clients have conducted their own research and we'll go through that. Sometimes we will have the opportunity to speak with clients, customers directly and get, you know, just a bit of ethnography there, a bit of color, a bit of context, but also, you know, unlocking some of the experience from people who are at the coalface selling, whether that's brokers or whether that's underwriters speaking to brokers you know, understanding their understanding of their audience is also pretty good. So, you know, we pull it together in whatever shape we can, and we always play it back so that we've captured what those pains and priorities are. And we're in agreement that those are the ones we're going to marry up with a value proposition statement. Very interesting. And Lorraine, I think it comes back to what you were saying. Voice of the customer is as important for your clients' customers as it is for your clients. And presumably your account management team are at the coalface and they are talking to your insurance clients. And like you referred to earlier on, they're picking up on the language that they use. You know, what's a reinsurance company and what does that mean and policies, et cetera. So do you think that also helps the account management team in general with your processes that they understand this language to a little bit more of a deeper level than perhaps an agency account manager that works across multiple sectors? Absolutely. I think it's always going to be an advantage, particularly in, you know, evaluating the quality of the work. I think one of the things that the account management team is responsible for is, you know, working closely with the creative director to be a guardian of the quality of the output. And so Guy has got extremely high standards, like eye-wateringly high standards, not just because he's tall, but, and I think that the robust briefing process gives us an objective measure, but there's also that intangible, knowing the client, knowing their audience, knowing the personalities that they're dealing with internally, that the account team are the only ones with that insight. And we have to say, hang on, you know, that word, I know it's a good word, but I'm not quite sure that how that's going to go over with the CEO of this business, you know. And so I think absolutely the voice of the customer is where the account managers can bring some really good insight to make the creative work even better. I'll definitely echo that. You know, we will have done some strategic work and pulled out the main thing and Guy would have done his magic. And then Lorraine, you know, will look at it and go, it's just missing something, you know, and it's usually on that emotional level, the connection with just understanding what the client wants to feel or what they understand the business needs to feel internally about something. And it's normally will just require a tweak here or there to bring that to life, to make sure that that's present as well. And that's the three parts coming together to create something better than any one of us could do on our own. Very nice. And Guy, I want to come back to those high standards that you've got, because this is probably a question on everyone's kind of mind listening from an account management perspective. What impresses you, Guy? You know, working with an account manager, you must have worked with tons in your experience. What's going to really impress you about working with an account manager? 
I think someone that can, I mean, Lorraine talks about all the time, someone that can speak creative is something that's really, really great. So someone that understands how to convert a business goal or a client objective into something that's a creative brief or be able to keep that communication and community going between creative and account sides and and the insight, you know, insight from clients. You know, I don't know if you've seen Game of Thrones, but they're pretty much the king's hand, right? So they have the ear of the client and they deliver you know, to deliver that sort of understanding of the company goals, what's the insights, you know, how can we make for, you know, better creative off that. So I think it's, yeah, definitely delivering insights, someone that understands, you know, their client wholeheartedly, what the business goals are, because some of the briefs can be quite hard to get your head around as creatives. Some of the guys, especially the younger sort of employees, colleagues, might not necessarily understand the terminology of insurance or what a reinsurer is. So you need to sort of understand the business goals from the insurance side of it and understand what the client is asking for and it'd be re-articulated into something that can be easily digestible and then you know reinterpreted by a creative and then reflect on that and then and see okay the creative's great but does it answer the business objectives and then there's you know that conversation to be had there and it being objective and not subjective as well so you know the object of the brief is to i don't know sell more policies or whatever it is it's not you know i don't like green and so, you know, you need to understand how to sort of, yeah, it's quite, it's really, really hard to be an account manager now that I'm sort of talking about it. You've got to communicate the business side of it, but also understand the creative side of it, which is a very hard thing to do. But we seem to be doing it quite well, which is great. And you support your team in how to do that. So have you seen those kind of account managers that have been working with you with that aha moment? Oh, I get it now. You know, when you finally finalize a brief and you say, that's what I call a good brief, and then you can start working. Do you kind of see the revelation when you are taking people from grad stage to being sort of fully fledged account managers? Yeah, I think you definitely see that progression. I mean, I know what I was like when I first started out in my career. And I I don't think, I think it happens in gradual stages. So you just learn what to expect and then you want to deliver that yourself. And so there's just sort of a natural conversion. But I think a really lovely thing is when accounts teams have written a brief and it comes in and we deliver the creative. And in our mind, it's just a reaction to the brief and you know what we do day to day. But when they see that visually, it really excites them. And it really an emotive connection there to what they've asked for and then what's been delivered. And sort of, you know, it's really important that, you know, we just don't make things that look pretty. You know, they actually mean something, you know, on a level that's, yes, we're answering the brief, but how do you actually connect with that audience? You know, I mean, semiotics in that or, you know, yeah, think of something clever or a hook, you know. And so that's what we develop and then sort of play that back to the accounts team. And when we get that right, you know, that's a lovely little spark that happens internally. That was a really funny moment, right, Guy, because you were explaining that and both Lorraine, Greg and I were both leaning in and smiling. It's almost like we totally get it, right? Because I think Greg called it magic and I felt it myself when I put a brief in and then you get the work back and you go, wow, you know, they did that from that brief. So there is something magic that happens in the creative process. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, going back to that sort of human-to-human or peer-to-peer stuff, I think it's just communication, isn't it? Like, we're all humans, we like emotive things, and we're just blessed that we're in an environment, in a job that allows us to create things like this. So we're super lucky. We are, we are indeed. Lorraine, were you going to add something there? One last little thing is in terms of that communication with creatives. So about eight years ago, Guy and I used to kind of butt heads a little bit because I was all about time, get it done, client delivery, delivery, delivery. And, you know, we just kept keep interrupting him and doing things. And feedback would be very 
direct. I'm quite direct person. I'm efficient with my my words and my time. And then I read this fantastic book. And I was thinking, why doesn't he understand me? Why doesn't he? And he's thinking, why doesn't she understand me? Read this great book by a designer called Bonnie Siegler, and it's called Dear Client. And I give it to all the account managers and I say, read it. And it's really, it's a quick read. It's designed beautifully because she's a designer, but it just teaches you how to speak creative and how to understand creative. And there's some lovely little tidbits in there. And I still refer to it. I've got about three copies around my house. So in moments of frustration or whatever, I can just kind of go, or or how do I feed back in this way that's going to make that brief better or make the work better? And it's just as an account person, taking the time and showing the interest to understand the creative process and be part of it. Because that's the thing that makes the difference Mm. is by being able to communicate effectively with the strategy and the the creative and the client, you are actually part of that. You're not just briefing work in, you're part of it, which is why you get that moment of joy, you know, when this beautiful thing comes out the end, that's going to be really effective and the client's going to love it. So love that, Lorraine. And thank you for the tip there. Guy, did you see the transformation after Lorraine read that book? <laughs> did you notice the difference? Yeah, and it was done in phases. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, Lorraine and I are pretty much the same person, both, but we're, in fact, we're all Virgos, aren't we? So, you know, we're all great people. Greg's a Libra. <laughs> uh, Greg's a Libra. Yeah. No, yeah, but he's a week not, later. <laughs> he's actually, it's an ongoing joke, but he's actually a Virgo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Lorraine and I are exactly the same sort of person. We both want the best you know, for our clients. And I think originally it was, you know, Lorraine, it's more traditional, I suppose, you know, old classic sort of agency stuff, you know, accounts team are over there, craves are over here. And it shouldn't be like that at all. You know, we're all, again, going back to that human process as well. So it's something we've developed and, you know, why us three sort of work really well together is that communication piece. And so it happened over time. I wouldn't say there was a pivotal moment when I was like, ah, Lorraine gets me. And there'll there'll always be sort of, you know, butting heads, but I think that's healthy. And I think we've we've learned how to communicate that in a, in a really uh, effective way to overcome hurdles and and be the best, best versions of ourselves, I think. And Greg, how do you fit into that mix? Do you find that there are some communication challenges from a, you know, you're very much seeing it through the lens of strategy Yeah, look, there's always communication challenges in every business. You know, we're all working really fast. We're working, you know, on different things. Sometimes we're together in the office and sometimes we're not. And But it just sort of just comes back to those values that we started at at the start, you know, that advancement through insight. So, you know, there was a blocker. Uh, Lorraine found the key to unblock that, which was, you know, figure out how to speak to your audience, which is basically what all communication is about, right? Like, how are you going to understand that person such that you can be understood? And then that rewarding partnership, knowing that you want to be that person's rewarding partner for the day in that interaction. And so there's an element of generosity that's needed in communication to be generous in your listening, in your thinking about the other person in order to, you know, unblock that and empower us all to move forward. So I just see it as whenever there's some sort of blocker anywhere, just go back to those values and they'll generally point you through to the other side. Very nicely put. I'm conscious of time, but I still want to ask you sort of quite a big question, actually. And I'd love to hear from all of you about the trends in the insurance market. Obviously, you're absolutely immersed in this sector. So how do you think or how are you currently seeing that your clients' needs are changing and how they'll continue to change? And how do you think as agencies, perhaps in general, but you particularly serving that market, how you feel that you need to adapt? 
one of, one of the key trends that we're seeing is M&A activity. And, and this is, you know, some of our, our clients have been bought by the same, <laughs> the same business and there's lots of consolidation going on and people moving about, but it creates a brilliant opportunity because at that point, people are looking for how do they build a more meaningful brand? You know, how do they communicate the change and the growth that's going on internally as well as externally? What does it mean for, you know, the colleagues in their business or, you know, the customers that they're working with? So I think, that is a real opportunity in the insurance sector is bringing more meaning to the brands, you know, thinking about more creative campaigns and internal campaigns as well. We're also seeing, and it started really during the pandemic, because insurance is very much a relationship driven business. A lot of it is done face to face and it comes back to that trust that, that Greg was talking about earlier. It's And it's so important, but obviously during the time when you couldn't travel, you couldn't see people, how do you keep your message and your brand out there? How do you keep in contact, you know, reach your arms across the oceans? And I think we saw that marketing became a strength for businesses to lean on in that digital space. And the opportunity there is really coming back to that human to human approach that Guy was talking about. You know, you know, Greg's a science guy and he'll tell you a bit more about it. But, you know, share of market, share of voice all comes from harnessing your differentiation and your distinctiveness. And that's really the opportunity in the digital space for marketing and creative agencies like us. Just quick question on that before we go to Guy and Greg. When there is M&A activity and two of your clients merge, does that create a pitch opportunity? Do you have to repitch or how have you found that you've continued working with them? We've been really fortunate that, you know, because of our experience, because of our expertise, because of the relationships we've got with those clients, that generally we've continued to work with them in one form or another. And in fact, sometimes grown that account because, you know, we're now working with a much bigger organization. So, so Greg and Guy, talk about the future trends and what you're seeing changes. Yeah, I mean, I feel that, you know, emerging risks are a big thing. I don't think they're trends. I think there's just a massive global shift in how we communicate and what we get up to. You know, it's climate change, mental health is a big thing. You know, a lot, a lot of digital sort of solutions, especially in the insurance, insure tech sort of space. And so, you know, there's a never ending sort of change in how we deliver those messages to market, you know, how we communicate that. And, you know, it's delivering those unique experiences, understanding the market, helping brands sort of stand out as best we can and communicate those new feelings or products or helping their risks, basically. And, and luckily enough, we're prime specialists in that space. So we're ready for that. So I think, yeah, emerging risks for me it is one thing and, and being on the button and trying to sort of understand that curve best we can. Thanks, Guy. And Greg? From a marketing perspective, marketing function perspective, I'd say, you know, marketing within insurance is growing up rapidly. It used to be the case that marketing wasn't seen as sort of a, a highly professional function within insurance in the insurance space in a lot of businesses, not in all, obviously. But that trend of consolidation, MA activity, and as businesses trade more globally, that need for brand building, we're definitely seeing an uptick. And the graph is only pointing up in that area. So marketing is becoming more sophisticated. Expectations are becoming more sophisticated. And it allows us to do ever better work, which is so, you know, it's all good from our perspective. Brilliant. Well, thank you all for sharing so much insight, so much value, so many tips for perhaps other agencies that are listening in thinking, maybe we need to specialise in a sector because there's obviously clearly lots of benefits and testament to the fact that Kate's been on 
singing your praises, how strong a relationship you have with her. So thank you all for coming. I'm conscious of time. I'm going to wrap it up. But the final question, Lorraine, perhaps you can answer this one. If anyone's listening to this and they would like to talk to you further, who would you particularly like to hear from and what's the best way of contacting you? So we are a growing business and pretty ambitious growth targets. So we'd love to hear from, you know, prospective clients and prospective colleagues, people who'd like to come and work with us, work closely with Guy and Greg on the creative and strategy side. I'm always looking for really good account managers or or people who want to get into account management. So the best way to contact us is to email us. I'm Lorraine at freepartners.com. Greg and Guy are Greg at freepartners.com and Guy at freepartners.com. So easy. Easy peasy. Well, thank you all so much again. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with the team at Free Partners and maybe it's given you some ideas for what you could be doing differently in your own agency. And finally, if you're listening to this at the end of 2023, I'm currently enrolling for my Account Accelerator training program. It's a 12-month training and coaching program designed for agency account managers at every level to build an entrepreneurial mindset. Some of the benefits to agencies of investing in the program have been an increase in client retention, an increase in upsells, cross-sales, gathering testimonials and referrals, an increase in retention of account management talent with new hires adding value from day one. The agency leadership teams are not having to be so hands-on with their client accounts because their account management team have a roadmap for client retention and growth, which frees them up to work on agency new business business, thought leadership, networking, vision, and future agency growth strategy. So if you'd like to know more, you can go to my website, accountmanagementskills.com, where you can find out more about the course and perhaps book a call with me so that we can have a chat. I can find out more about what you're looking for and determine whether it's a good fit, maybe for you or someone in your team. Now, I'm going to leave you with Richard Long, who was in charge of a team of account managers, and he talks about the impact of the training on the team's mindset. I'll see you on the next one. There's a different mindset. People now asking for quarterly business reviews who'd never done that, had just kind of taken the relationship as a given, even down to things like referrals. Suddenly people say, oh, I've asked this client for this relationship and she's actually given me two. That, I think, is a really positive kind of step forward.